Welcome to the second episode of Troublemakers, a podcast by MakerMag. First, I want to thank our sponsor, Blockstack, for making this podcast possible. Blockstack provides makers with a stack of layers so people who use their apps truly own their data, identity, content, and connection. Give it a try for free at blockstack.org makermag. That's blockstack.org slash makermag. And now let's talk about building products without code. All right. So uh, my name is Al Chen, and I'm really excited to, to speak today with uh, Ben Tossel from MakerPad. And uh, really excited to have Ben on the podcast and also excited to hear what he has to say um, about what he's working on at MakerPad and also about all other projects he's worked on in the past. So Ben, thanks for joining the, the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so I guess just to start, start things off, can you um, kind of talk to people about your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I'll um, try and give a quick version. Um, I was in uh, social media advertising for an agency in London um, out of university and was just somehow got involved in looking at the tech world overseas and seeing things like product hunt. And I was quite an early follower. Um, and I just, I fell in love with it. I think I just really wanted to make something. So I joined all these Slack groups and tried to just be helpful. I was that annoying guy saying hi to everyone who joined. And so along the way, I sort of, got in touch with uh, Mubs, which is who's a prolific maker on Product Hunt. I'm sure a lot of the listeners would know who he is, um, one of the top Product Hunt makers. And me and him built, I say me and him built, I did the sort of curation side, but he built um, what was marketing stack. So that was a sort of curation site of marketing resources. Um, and we launched that on Product Hunt uh, on my birth, on my 25th birthday, so 2015. Um, and in the months leading up to that, I'd been in a Slack group called Maker Hunt, which was, you had to be a Product Hunt maker to be in Maker Hunt. Um, but I just wormed my way in and I messaged the, the sort of the admin and said, I'd love to help out wherever I can. So. I started helping him, uh, Eric Willis. Started helping him write up all the AMAs we were doing in the in the actual Slack. So we'd have an AMA every day for like thirty days, and we'd do it all through Slack. And people message in, so it was obviously hard to follow in a, in a in a Slack channel. So I just every day I'd spend time formatting those and put them on Medium. Um, did that for a while, and then Eric Torrenberg, who was at Product Hunt asked me to help out with some of their sort of slack experiments which was the product hunt book club and i think it was product hunt global like a global slack chat of all the people around the world basically um and again i was just that online person saying hello to everyone um trying to chat to people so when we launched this site marketing stack um I should say, by the way, I'm no longer affiliated with that. I sold it a couple of years ago now. Um, we launched that and it became one of the top 20 most outvoted products on Product Hunt. 
um, which was quite a surprise. It was awesome. I think it must have 4,000 or so upvotes now, maybe more. Um, and then I just sort of had one one day there was a notification that Ryan Hoover followed me back and I was like, oh shit, he must have like noticed some of the stuff I've been doing. Um, and he DM'd me saying, oh, I think we need to have a chat. Um, I did know at the time that Bram, who was um, sort of an inspiration behind Marketing Stat because he did a site called Startup Slash, which was curation of startup resources. He was working at Product Hunt at the time sort of community manager on the European time zone. He recommended um, Ryan Speaks Me because Brown was leaving. And Eric Torenberg also said to Ryan that you should talk to Ben about community manager. Um, so they both separately sort of referred me to Ryan, which was obviously a great signal for him. And he, yeah, he messaged me saying, I think we need to have a chat. So we got on a call. And they offered me a position to be community manager at Product Hunt. Um, and I remember I just, I was in Starbucks trying to have a video call with Ryan where he was teaching me how to run the site because I was due to take over those duties from the next the next day, which was a Monday morning at 8 a.m. or so. Um, there was hardly anyone else on this time zone that could help me out if anything went wrong. Um, so it was just a bit of a panic. and. Yeah, I mean, I figured it out. The site didn't die; it's still alive isn't it, today, so couldn't have done too badly. And uh, and yeah, and I was at Product Hunt then and worked there for just over two years, um, just building out the community team and and really driving that forward and just speaking to people every day and helping everyone launch their products. Um, it was quite manic. I uh, saw like eighty thousand products launch over that time. Wow. And yeah, it's quite uh, quite a lot. And yeah, I was there for when we got acquired by Angel List. Um, but in the time at Product Hunt, I just became I just became obsessed with side projects. So I just kept on seeing more and more tools that were launched that would enable me as a non-coder to actually build something. And whether that was an eighty percent version of the idea I had in my head, I didn't care. I just knew that within minutes, hours and days, I could start building something where previously I felt like I never could. Because I always think that if, I think a lot of people who are learning to code are actually trying to just build an idea that they have in their head. Um, but the traditional path is learn to code, you learn the language, you learn the basics, which can take three months, six months, nine months. Um, and I think if you just want to build the thing that you're thinking of, you should be able to do that in a lot quicker time. And there's so many tools coming out these days that allow you to do that. Um, at least I think the 80% version of, of that idea. So these no code tools that I saw coming out really excited me. And yeah, just sort of gave me the power to do something that I never thought I could do before. Um, so that's where I just left Product Hunt and was trying to figure stuff out on my own and become a real life entrepreneur, I guess. Um, and I've had loads of different projects, tried to do some client work, 
um, helping people launch MVPs, um, all sorts of stuff. So I then settled on something called Muco, and I was thinking, right, okay, I'm going to do a screencasting business. I'm going to put out a video every week of me building something with these no-code tools. I'll film it, and people just pay access to get these videos. Um, and it started off really well. I mean, I got a lot of users, a lot of paying customers, and revenue was great. Um, I didn't have the ability to have recurring revenue at the start. It was just a fake, I'll bill you another another time next month um, to keep the access. Um, but I didn't realize that screencasting is a very difficult business. Um, I think anything that takes videos of yourself and requires you to sit in front of that video of yourself editing it for a long time can uh, can get away from you a bit so i reached out to mubs again and he like we're both on the same mission of just empowering more people to make make projects and make things so we teamed up and he started custom building Nuco as this platform um and I was trying to, I think, looking back, I was trying to do too much too quickly um, because I just thought that's what happens. You have something that is working and then you just try and do way more and more and more and more until you become this massive business, um, which I now don't think is the right thing to do at all. Um, and there's sort of initiatives like Paul Jarvis's uh, Company of One, which is like, a, he's got a book on it and a podcast, which is talking about how you can be just that company of one and doesn't have to be necessarily one person, but you can be a small company, you can be okay with like smaller revenues and staying small, but doing the right thing for your customers and providing that value. Um, and in Nuco at this point, we sort of built tools for businesses to run their own like online programs like hackathons or um, we did one which was very good which was um, Women Make who who ran a 30-day program for women to build products um, they could share their updates there's a chat feature and, and all these things but then it was like this new code was all of a sudden this b2b tool that I was trying to chase and think that that was the right path for it and then it just all yeah got away from me a bit um and then that's when sort of the end of last year uh end of 2018 i started thinking about this company of one and thinking i need to focus on doing less and look at the what's the end goal i'd like to help more people build things without code how can i best do that and MakerPad is what I've basically come up with, which is I I play around every week. And it's the best thing about this whole MakerPad situation is that I do I would do this anyway if I wasn't getting any money for it. It just so happens that luckily I've got some awesome customers who want to pay me to access some of the things I put out there. So I'm making templates i sort of clone sites that i love like the github landing page the airtable landing page i'll build those using cars and people can access those templates 
I'll build um, mini working apps like I've got a clone of a, a mini clone of the Airbnb um, site with Airtable, Zapier, and Webflow, um, and that went quite crazy. I mean, there was what, twenty five thousand people saw that demo, um, and yeah, just I'm building these things every week, testing out new tools, seeing what can be done, trying to push the boundaries a bit, and anyone who becomes MakerPad Pro can have a call with me and I'll help you figure out what, how to build the thing that you want to build without code. I could send you any of the templates. We've got a lot of deals with certain companies to help with, uh, with you getting started. Um, and yeah, any help with like, if you need to figure out why your Zapier zap is not working, then you can just message me and I can easily, help you and figure that stuff out. So that's sort of where we're at at the moment. Um, but like I said, it's just, it feels so much different to Nuco because I'm putting out these tutorials in my own way, in my own time, because I'm enjoying it. And um, I mean, I've built many apps with um, things like Coder as well. Obviously you've, uh, you've helped with some of those. Um, had my mini meditation app and sort of thinking of building like a school on top of MakerPad where people can go and fill in challenges and complete quizzes and things like that, which is just really opening up what you can do without code. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where we are right now. I think that was quite a long backstory. So <laughs> no, that was, that was awesome. Um, so much to uh, dig into and unpack there. Uh, just as an aside, uh, Paul Jarvis was actually the first episode of the podcast. Pretty uh, timely. You mentioned Company of One and and his podcast and his book. I, I was um, I did a nine week uh, stint of traveling over sort of Christmas and New Year, and I listened to a lot of the podcasts he was on. So that's when all this Company of One stuff was really solidifying in my head. And yeah, that's uh, what's been happening. Uh, so I, I, I want another question I had, and you know, you mentioned a lot about your background and I wanted to bring it back to when you were, uh, I guess, discovered maker hunt and you wanted to, you, you messaged the admin or the moderator to be more involved. Um, were you still working at the agency in, in London at the time or were you kind of off freelancing on your own? No, so I worked at the at the agency for a while, and I was and I was just in these Slack groups um, as like diving weekends and things. Um, so I was still f fully employed then. Um, I was in London at the time, and then I think at one point I decided to uh, move home with my parents and just sort of get out of the social media game, but try and get into tech. But I then went back home and worked in social media advertising while I could just keep doing these slack groups and other things just sort of figure myself out and figure out what I was going to do um but I, I had a full-time job until uh the offer of product hunt came around gotcha yeah I guess one question I had was I think for a lot of people out there who are thinking about or doing side projects is how to balance your side project you know with maker hunt and these other side projects with your full-time job uh curious how what you think or how you were able to balance both um, the full-time job, which you may or may not have been passionate about with your side projects with these Slack channels. Yeah. So um, 
when I was doing all the AMAs for uh, Maker Hunt, that it took, it did take a long time. And obviously the time zone I was in, a lot of people were in America um, and the, the AMAs would actually take place in like PST or EST. Um, so I'd go to work in the day, come home around five o'clock um, and another TV with my laptop on my lap. And it would literally just be me on there the whole time until I went to bed, um, hacking away at these Slack channels. Um, and also when I was doing the marketing stack um, research, basically had a list of 400 tools and resources that I managed to put together. So that was just doing it all in my evenings. Um, and with Slack, luckily, I was working for, uh, doing the social media for a law firm at the time. Um, and it was my dad's firm, so they, they don't, they, it was quite relaxed for me. Um, but I, I just had Slack on the computer. They didn't know what it was um, internally. So I just had Slack there and I could chat to people all day and it would seem like I was never offline um, on Slack. And uh, I think that must, must have helped. Gotcha. And I guess one last question about your background is you mentioned when you were at Product Hunt as a community manager, you saw over 80,000 uh, products being launched. What yeah. was the most, I don't know, if you had to pick one that stood out as interesting or crazy, can you talk about one of those products out of those 80,000? Um, so for, for sort of out there products, there was one called Be My Eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the maker now, but it was essentially for blind people who sort of trying to navigate through their day, they would just have a, they would spin up a video and someone on the other end would sort of accept that and then they could speak to them through the phone and say, oh yeah, you're like, you're picking up such and such at a supermarket or it, like help them navigate their way down the road and things like that, which I thought was, I've never seen anything like that before. Um, yeah. And that was one of those that just sort of stood out. But for me, like, for personal use, and something that really just screamed at me was CARD, which is C-A-R-R-D. Um, mm -hmm. And that was just, it was built um, for one-page sites, but I just kept on using it because I just clicked with it. it I just felt so intuitive. Um, I could build sites in minutes where I've never been able to do anything like that. Um, it just really opened up everything for me so I could just spin up site after site and and then like sort of hack it with with things that Zach, like Zakia that came along uh, later on for me mm -hmm. and and you mentioned uh a lot of the no code tools that you saw pop up on product hunt and just in general in in the I don't know the technology industry um, did you ever think about learning how to code yourself or have you always been more focused on I guess, launching no-code projects? I think I've tried and failed to learn to code so many times. Um, <laughs> but my only, I think the problem was that I've, I was that mindset of, I'm trying to learn to code to do a specific thing. I'm trying to build like a website or whatever it is. I'm really trying to just do that end goal. If I can hack a few things together mm -hmm. and make it seem like, I coded this thing. It may be like I say, like the eighty percent um, of that product. Then that's just like that's just a better outcome for me because 
every time I'd go back and learn to code, I'd go on Code Academy or whatever it was, start chipping away at these tiny little exercises and just, I'd see like, hello world pop up and I'm like, oh, I could get so much further if I just went on card, went on Webflow and just spent half an hour doing something there. I'd have something way further along than that. Mm-hmm. So who do you think is the, the right audience for uh, these no-code no code tools? Is it someone that just wants to spin something up really fast or is it someone that just doesn't want to learn or doesn't uh, know how to code? Just curious what, what you think is the right audience for these tools. I think it is a mixed audience that of like a combination of what you've just said. Mm-hmm. But for example, the people who are in MakerPad, there's... I mean, there's ex-CEOs from Y Combinator companies. There's CTOs. There's a lot of developers who just want to learn how to spin something up fast because it's just quick and easy to do something like that and test an assumption. Um, there's lots of people who are worried about learning to code, maybe put off by it at the time, the cost or whatever it is, who could use these tools. Um, yeah, there's really a combination of people. And I think... For me, at my stage, I can launch a meditation mini app on Coda one day. The next day, I can go and build a mini. The day after that, I can go and build an Airtable landing page template. Like I can build so many different things quickly. Mm-hmm. And all these tools are just getting better and better that I think soon it'll just be, it'll be crazy to see what you can build. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, like, I guess coders and developers should should care about no code tools and the no code movement, or do you think they're still going to be focused on you know their coding platforms, whether it's like Python or Node or whatever they're trying to build? Uh, curious what you think about that. Well, I think the one, well, I don't know the one, but I think something that coders and developers should think about is when you're building something with no code you can spin up an mvp very quickly and Mm -hmm. quickly figure out how actually building with code would work like how structurally it would work um better because you've spun up something really quickly you could see okay i would if i'm going to build this as a proper app i would definitely need to have this this and this you can almost test that many many parts of your features early on. Um, and I mean, to have these no code tools, we need awesome developers to build those tools. And it's not to say that one is different, like one is better than the other or anything like that. But I think code enables the no code, no code movement. And I just think that I'm not saying don't learn to code because that's like, I think a lot of people think that I hate code and don't think it, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. if I just want people to use the tools available to them in the quickest way to put something out there to validate an idea or build something they want to do, if code is your tool, then sure, go for, go for code if that's what is best for you. Um, it's not best for me and it's not best for a ton of other people there who are signing up for MakePad every single day. Um, and I think that's fine. They can both coexist. And I think one can't, I mean, the no-code movement can't exist without developers. So it's all very interlinked. And I think 
there's uh, an example of that with all these developers actually joining Makepad and, and seeing what they can, they can do with these no-code blueprints. Uh, who is like the ideal, I guess, user or, or customer for, for Makepad? I think it's sort of the same as the previous question where mm -hmm. um, there is no ideal. Um, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build um, different types of apps for, which, which sort of satisfy different people. There's even building internal tools, which I'm starting to get into now. Um, my site, people may think it's still for the tech world. So actually what I think um, I've, I've done is make a, a platform for people in tech or on the fringe of tech who aren't technical, but want to be like, want to close that gap a bit. Um, so the sort of my brother or mum and dad would never come across Makepad, know what the hell it was about and start signing up. Um, so there's an interesting gap there that I think Makepad might might end up doing something with, but I do think it's still people in tech or on the fringe of tech who just want to like explore, explore more. I see. And <clears throat> I, I know you've been publishing quite a bit on Twitter with all the different templates you've made. Um, like you mentioned, the Airbnb one got a ton of, uh, I think like retweets and, and shares and likes. Um, are there, is there a certain template of, I guess, tools that you've kind of put together that has, has have been most popular with the the users of MakerPad? Um, so I've built most things with, I usually have either Webflow or Card. So Card is, for me, a way to spin up really quick, simple sites. Um, Webflow is a bit more complex sites and a bit more customization. And then... I often use Airtable for like the database backend stuff and Zapier for connecting absolutely everything. So they're the four tools that my go to. And then there's obviously things like Stripe where I've got to take payments um, using Coda at the moment to try and really push and see what I can build with, with other um, documents. There's Clay, which is something I'm just diving into recently um and i mean there's tons out there I, I can't name them all but i think for me there's like four main ones and then there's some on the fringe which i need for certain types of things do you ever feel like um you know like back in the day like or not even back in the day but you know people think of microsoft office as being like this one platform that you can do everything from docs to spreadsheets to PowerPoint to um, now they have like this Teams feature, which is competing with Slack. Do you ever feel like there's one tool that you can use for almost everything? Or is it that you always pick and choose from like this kind of buffet of tools to make mm -hmm. things work? Yeah, I think at the moment um, you sort of have to pick and choose with a number of these things because I think a lot of the no code tools go in at the market in different directions. Mm -hmm. um, I know that AJ from card says he never sort of went out for the no code market. He just put out a way to build simple sites, but this no code movement has sort of shaped a part of the product roadmap. Um, 
Webflow eventually wants to help people launch software without needing to code at all. Um, I mean, they say that it's a 30-year path, but that's their goal. Um, companies like Bubble also have ways to build software with with uh, workflows and a back end. Um, but I do think that like every tool is different. The learning curve, each tool is different. So some tools you're going to get on with more than others. People's brains think differently. Um, I think it's a matter of just trying a lot of them out and seeing seeing what works for them because Airtable and Google Sheets may do many of the same things for the type of app you're building. It just depends what's easier and quicker for you at the time. And for for you, I guess, which one, which tools have been the easiest for you to pick up and start just experimenting with? I think Card was the easiest. Um, Webflow's got more of a learning curve. Um, and I think Airtable and Kodo and Google Sheets have a, have a quick learning curve for basic sort of functions, but when you get into formulas and, and linking things together, some people would easily get that quicker than I have. Um, mm -hmm. They just become a bit more complex when I'm trying to mm -hmm. think about them. And and so much of the internet has, or the tech world has been built on like, you know, uh, platforms like WordPress and Squarespace and Wix. And I'm curious if you have you had ever experimented or built uh, websites with, with those platforms? I actually recently started looking back into Wix because I know they've done a lot with their Wix code product and other things and there's ways to do login, sign up and, and all sorts of things like that. So I do want to dive back into Wix. Um, mm -hmm. Squarespace, I just cannot get on, get on with at all. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't what, I don't know what it is. I yeah, same it. with me. I, I just don't, I just can't get it. Yeah. No, and I think that's what it is. Certain things work for certain people because of how they think, perhaps. Um, I tried it years ago, and then I, had a, I offered a, a web to build a website for a client um, for a charity event, and I just thought, I know, to do this, I'll just spin up a, a quick uh, Squarespace site so that they can easily manage it, and it'll be fine. And I just went back to it and thought nope i can't i can't use this i still can't use it so i built that on webflow um and wordpress again i think similarly with with that i tried it years ago i can't really get on with it i i know that there's power locked in these these sites somewhere but perhaps it's not for me or not for me now or what i tend to do with a lot of these platforms is speak to the people behind them and get them to almost handhold me through like what is the core 20% of this product that I need to know that will help mm. me unlock 80% of the value. Mm. Like when I got, got on a call with you and Evan, there was, okay, teach me some of these things that I can know from Coda that will help me like unlock some of its massive potential. Um, and I'm still not there yet. I can figure some things out, but I, I, I always need to speak to the people behind it. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think that's the best, the best way forward. Yeah, I definitely echo that sentiment. Uh, learning the 20% to get the 80% done, the 80-20 rule is always good for any of these tools and just for, I guess, life in general too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I try and think about that a lot with thinking about how a product should work or if I'm trying to build something, I try and think of the easiest way to build most value. Um, yeah, definitely.
Yeah. Uh, uh, one, one last question before um, I kind of get into maybe some you know, more fun personal ones is very, very high level. Uh, what trends do you foresee unfolding in the no-code, low-code space? You kind of hinted at a few, but curious if you, have, if you had to predict the next five, 10 years, where do you see the space going? Well, I think you'll be able to spin up like a marketplace like Airbnb with all no code features probably on one platform. I think, yeah, that, that'll be yeah. it. I don't think there'll be, you'll need to have to stitch together multiple products, um, but you may do so because that's what you like. Okay. So you heard it from Ben. There's going to be hundreds and <laughs> thousands of marketplaces in the future, given where things are going. Yeah, that could be good or bad. <laughs> yeah, like the the whole like Uber for XYZ kind of notion, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, I guess I wanted to end on just kind of like a few fun personal questions. Um, not Nothing okay. too crazy. Uh, sure. What is one recent purchase that you made for 100 pounds or 50 pounds or less that has changed your life? Could be physical product, could be software, uh, something in that range. I think well, I got one of these chili bottles, which is like a swell bottle that keeps things cold for 12 hours. I got that when I went traveling and that's been pretty good, but that's not very uh, related to tech. <laughs> I guess uh, another question is, um, uh, what is something that you used to believe was true, but recently changed your mind about? I could be really obvious here and say that you have to learn to code to build. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was thinking you were going to go with. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with that uh, then. Well, yeah, thank, thanks so much, Ben, for being on this this episode of uh, Troublemakers. And uh, yeah, appreciate you spending time with uh, with us today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me.